Welcome and welcome back to Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem. I am Ferdos and I'm her mother. <laughs> and here we are today to talk about another episode of Mystery in Turks and Caicos. Do you want to say anything, Mom? I am really looking forward to knowing what other mysteries can be enclosed in such a small geographical space. <laughs> Well said, well said. <laughs> so, yeah, my, for those of you who follow the podcast, my sister isn't here today, unfortunately. She has decided that sleep is more important than the podcast. I There was no way to wake her up. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on in her head, honestly. Um, she will be promptly fired. <laughs> and worse still, she won't be invited to go on our research trip to Turks. And that's right. That's right. That's only for people who actually show up to the podcast. Darn tootin'. That's right. So have fun in your lousy non-tropical bed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So back to our actual topic. Today, I'd like to talk about the molasses reef wreck. The molasses reef wreck. Yes, which has nothing to do with molasses itself. <laughs> so don't be, don't be too disappointed. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> I was imagining underwater reefs of candied molasses. That would have been fun, right? But no. Get on it, Turks and Kakaos. Kaos. Kaos. Get on it, Turks and Kaos. Turks and Kakaos, on the other hand. You're, you're off the you're hook. You're good. <laughs> All right, so the Molasses Reef shipwreck is the site of a ship that sunk in the Turks and Caicos Islands early in the 16th century. It is the oldest wreck of a European European ship in the Americas to have been scientifically excavated. So scientifically being archaeologically excavated. Ooh, and not just... The first time that Europeans polluted Turks and Caicos. Caicos! 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 <laughs> Do you need me to write it down for you? Why are you adding syllables? Because I want to get closer to sounding like chocolate. <laughs> Cacao. So, I'm going to take you back to 1976, where unlicensed treasure hunters discovered a wreck on the Molasses Reef, which is on the southwest edge of Caicos Bank, wherever that is. Somewhere. Near Caicos. <laughs> Near Caicos. The area has already been known as a ship trap, and sure enough, you can see the remains of many other wrecks dotting the area around and even on top of this earliest wreck. Obviously sea monsters. <laughs> That's the only solution. A giant squid just <laughs> grabbing things left and, left and right. Oh no, only one at a time. Oh, Because okay. it eats them. So our treasure hunters are in the area looking for Spanish treasure ships and then they find this really old looking ship. And they realize that the weapons on the ship are from the 1490s or early 1500s. So like too old to be a treasure ship. But still, you know, something something to take note of. So fast forward to 1980, so four years later, and our treasure hunters form a savage company and apply for a license to explore and salvage. Salvage, salvage. Sorry. Oh, sorry, I heard savage. savage. I did say And that. I'm like... <laughs> That's my bad. Oh, so how do I pronounce salvage? Do uh, I actually pronounce the L? I uh, thought the L was silent. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but uh, it seems to me that if the L is silent, this is implying something about the company's morality. <laughs> okay, salvage. <laughs> okay, all right. Look, 
English isn't my first language, okay? <laughs> so let's see. Uh, our, so our treasure hunters form a salvage company and apply for a license to explore and salvage shipwrecks from the Turks and Caicos Islands. And so they get their license and they announce that they discovered the wreck of Christopher Columbus's ship, Pinta. And they can already taste, you know, all the money that they're going to make from their discoveries. Uh, so a quick crash course on ship history for those like me who know nothing about it. La Pinta was the fastest of the three Spanish ships that Christopher Columbus used in his first transatlantic voyage in 1492. And so the ship did return to Spain, but nothing is known about it afterwards. It kind of just disappeared, kind of fell in the cracks of history. Uh, there is, really isn't a single record of her fate. And what makes the ship harder to track is that La Pinta wasn't its name, but a nickname. And unfortunately, its real name has also been lost <laughs> to time. So <laughs> it's only been five hundred odd years. <laughs> yeah, come on, guys, where where are t record keepers? Come on. <laughs> but yeah, so we don't know what happened to her. But the treasure hunters who found this wreck are like, this is it. Even though supposedly she did go back to Spain, I don't know. Maybe she. Maybe they took her back to the Americas. I don't know how it found its way back to Turks and Caicos, but... Are people in the salvage company uh, up to date on geography? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, no records on that either. No records on that either. <laughs> so the Turks and Caicos government starts becoming worried about what the new salvage company has planned with the wrecks, even though they gave them... The license. I wonder. I wonder what's the process of getting it. Is it? You think they would ask these? Like, so what are your what are your intentions with my with my regs? Uh, conversation. Uh, you know, before they give them the license, it's kind of too late. After you're like, yeah, 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 go ahead, have fun at it. And then when they're in the middle of it, you're like, so like, wh what are you trying to do here, buddy? Like, you see, that's for Turks and Caicos's parents <laughs> to clarify with these salvage company suitors right <laughs> so anyways Turks and Caicos government they're getting the heebie-jeebies whatever and they decide to invite the Institute of Nautical Archaeology to survey the wreck site so afterwards a new group arrives to Turks and Caicos and they claim that they inherited the rights from the earlier salvage company So your suitor left, put on a disguise, and changed their hair and grew a beard and came back. You're going to have to kick him back out again for those. Oh, that might be what happened. Eh? I don't know. Or, or maybe, it, uh, yeah, who knows? I still remember what he did last time. Yeah. They didn't make it, their intentions clear. <laughs> so they received permission from the government to explore the wrecks oh, Lord. that aren't in the molasses reef. Okay. And additionally to that, they aren't allowed to take any of the artifacts. All right. So, admire from afar. Excellent <laughs> policies. So, unfortunately, this group ignored their orders and stole artifacts from numerous shipwrecks, including the ones in molasses reef. Very teenage of them. <laughs> Does this start to... There are quite a bit of parallels. <laughs> Between the story and, like... Dating baby? Yeah, yeah, I'm actually just seeing it. Um, so, But what sort of artifacts did they steal? Do we know? I don't know. Okay. No, like you. Okay. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, well, the stuff you find on ships, you know. Definitely. That stuff. <laughs> so, as a result, the government revoked the company's license, 
I sure hope. I should hope so. <laughs> Can you imagine and be like, ah, I mean, let bygones be bygones. Water under the bridge. Come back. Then they have to come back with a new disguise. <laughs> so government revokes the company's license and invited the Institute of Nautical Archaeology to excavate the molasses refrack and not just survey it. Not just steal stuff, but actually map it out, right? Yes, okay. Yes, so, uh, the researchers from the Institute come back to the site in 1982 and discover that there has been quite a bit of damage done to the wrecks, unfortunately, since the last time they've been there. So, an example is someone used a pipe bomb to dislodge artifacts, <laughs> which left a large crater and a bunch of damaged artifacts. <laughs> so, they were not... Uh, wh- whoever stole these artifacts was not one for subtlety, I think. Teenager attempt. <laughs> Uh, So over the next three years, archaeologists spent six months excavating the site. They shipped more than 10 tons of artifacts back to Texas, which is where the Institute is based. Oh, no. And no, just for cleaning, stabilization. Stabilization. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. I think you are. Uh, so yeah, so they ship the, the artifacts for cleaning, stabilization, and study. And responsibility for the wreck and artifacts was then transferred to a non-profit entity, Ships of Exploration and Discovery Research, which was set up by the ex- archaeologists that are working on the project. And then in 1990, uh, all the artifacts were returned to Turks and Caicos. And in 1991, the artifacts were placed in a new national museum that was built to kind of accommodate Lovely. these Lovely. I love happy endings. Right? It's awesome. So some of the artifacts that were saved from the wreck include a good number of weapons, including cannons, small arms like grenades, crossbows, swords, daggers, you know. It's st- nice to know that Europeans arrived as friendly tourists. <laughs> Oh, you're not going to like the history of this ship. (laughs) Other artifacts, like bowls and storage jars, uh, surgical and carpentry tools, wooden pieces of the hull and metal pieces from the rigging were also saved. Pottery fragments from olive jars, bowls, basins. The styles of those pottery fragments are pretty typical of Spanish and and Portuguese pottery from the late 15th and early 16th centuries. So we're getting getting kind of an idea of timing for for this ship. The archaeologists were able to use what remained of the hull to determine the size of the ship, and they determined some of the structure of the ship from the distribution of ballast stones and the marks made on the seafloor by parts of the hull that had disintegrated. Did that sentence make sense? Yes, it it did. No, no. I envy them. (laughs) Right? I was like writing these notes, and I'm like... How does one get that job? Okay, here's the thing. I'm actually kind of angry my- at myself because I am an archaeology major. Aww. And I just, I didn't, I didn't go into grad school. That's my mistake. It's not Aww. too late though. I can still go. I can be one of those people. <laughs> <sighs> oh, sorry. My major was not in archaeology. Did I say my major was in archaeology? Yes, it was not did. in archaeology. It was in an anthropology. But you know, archaeology is in there. <laughs> It's one of the four facets of anthropology. Okay? I see. Thank you, Mom. All right. <laughs> not saying anything about being confused. Not at all. Um, so they determined that the ship was 19 meters long with a beam of five to six meters and a draft of around two meters. And uh, the ship had at least three masts. It's pretty big, I would assume. I don't know anything about ships. Yes, yes. 
with what was left of the hall, they were able to notice construction techniques that were pretty typical of the 15th and 16th century Portuguese and Spanish ships, uh, which indicates that the ship was a caravel, which is a small, apparently small, to me that ship still sounded huge, but small, highly maneuverable sailing ship, typical in the age of discovery. Aww, so basically not a battleship, but something that was meant to explore. Right. And other things that I will get into. Uh. <laughs> Based on the age of the wreck, we can assume that the ship was built in Spain or Portugal and sailed across the Atlantic. The ballast was made of stones from several areas, mainly from like near Lisbon, but also from the Macaronesian islands and from near Bristol. Oh, wow. Um, archaeologists tried to more certainly determine the wreck by analyzing the growth rings of on a large coral head that was growing on the wreck. But the coral was found to only be 250 years old. Ugh. So, way too young to be any help. Those kids. To us. <laughs> so the next best thing for archaeologists is to use the artifacts found on the wreck to try and determine the age of it. So we've established that there were items on the ship that are typically on Spanish ships in the late 15th and early 16th centuries, but that's a pretty... 200 years is a pretty... Wow, <laughs> say about... Uh, okay, 100. 100. Or 100. less, possibly. <laughs> so now it's, we have to narrow it down a bit more, and they found on the ship... I don't know how to pronounce this. Hack, aquibuts, hackibuts, hackibuts, whatever. A type of firearm... <laughs> Uh, which stopped being a part of Spanish ships' usual equipment after about 1515. Okay, so... so this ship has to be... Before, before 1515. They also found a type of bowl called Melado Escudilla. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce Spanish stuff. Which translates to honey bowl, which stopped being used after 1520. So honey bowl, have- as in honey. Yes. And molasses. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> And Turks and chocolate. Turks, Turks and cacao. <laughs> <laughs> so, the honey bowls, not, you, can't, you don't really find them on Spanish ships after 1520. So, further evidence that the ship sunk before that time. They also noted that objects that would be typically carried on Spanish ships later in the 16th century were not present in the wreck. Using all they learned, archaeologists determined that the ship probably sunk within a few years of 1513. Uh, specifically, which makes it the title I gave it at the beginning of the episode, the earliest wreck of a European ship in the Americas that has been scientifically excavated. That we know of, at least. That's amazing. I really enjoy history. Archaeologists have looked through records extensively, but despite their best efforts... Until now, the ship still has not been identified. Uh, we, knew, we know that over 120 European ships have been lost in the Americas by 1520, but none of those ships can be matched to the one in Molasses Reef. There's an assumption that because there are no personal items in the wreck, then maybe that means the crew was able to abandon the ship before it sank. But then again, if that were the case, they would have also tried to sa- save the weapons on the ship, which wasn't the case because they found a lot of weapons in the wreck. Yeah, you're right. They wouldn't want to leave and arrive as entire tourists (laughs) (laughs) onto the islands for hunting purposes, obviously. Of course. So there was four sets of 
bilbos, which are iron restraints that you'd put on a person's ankles. Ooh. Bilbos would sometimes be used to punish crew members, but more often they'd be used to restrain slaves aboard ships. Ooh. So a theory is that the ship has been used to hunt for Lu- Lucaeans to take to his Hispaniola as slaves. And Lucaeans, Lucaean people were the original residents of the Bahamas before Europe came to to the Americas. Hi, Mish. We have a cat who has arrived to help us help understand. Us yes, yes, help us solve this mystery, Misty. You have all the answers. She wants you to know that her ancestors arrived on the Spanish ships, <laughs> where they caught met- many a mouse. All right, Misty's just chilling. We'll let her chill. Um, so. Lucaeans were the original residents of the Bahamas before Europe came to the Americas, and they inhabited most of the Caribbean islands at the time, and they were the first indigenous Americans that Christopher Columbus met, apparently. Poor them. Uh, right. So shortly after they made first con- they first made contact, the Spanish would then kidnap and enslave Lucaeans, and by 1520, Lucaean people were completely eradicated from the Bahamas. And Hispaniola which is the place that they um, that the Spanish would take them was an island in the Caribbean and as the native people of Hispaniola died out the Spanish would then recruit in quotation marks Lucaeans to replace them and by 1513 almost all of the Lucaeans had been removed from the southern Bahamas Bahama Islands which would fit with the running theory that the ship sunk no later than 1530. I'm not feeling sorry for this ship. <laughs> yeah, I told you. I'm like, hold that thought, hold that thought. So as much as we've learned from the, from the wrecked ship at Molasses Reef, and as amazing as it is for the archaeologists have discovered, or, like, you know, found all this stuff with, like, the little they had, the wreck still remains, unfortunately, a mystery. <laughs> That was a short episode. But. That was wonderful. Well, I really enjoyed I'm that because it. it gets my imagination going. The past is always such a different country, isn't it? It's definitely something. And the funny thing is so many... I mean, I'm sure some people who when set out on the voyages of discovery were motivated by a love of what... A love of finding out what was over the horizon. And the love of wandering. But very soon that seems for most people to have translated into a love of exploitation. Mm. And if they couldn't find other things, they'd exploit the people. Well said. It always makes me wonder if North America had discovered Europe first, whether something would have been different. Mm. Yeah, who knows? It's one of the great questions. You would have had the the native populations of North and South America arriving in Europe. So the Incas show up in Spain and say, we're here to trade, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how different would our world be, or maybe it would be much of the same, I don't know. Anyways, uh, yeah, so that was our mystery episode. Tune in next time for our mayhem episode. It's pretty interesting. I like it. I think uh, you'll find it interesting, too. Ooh. (laughs) No more teenagers. uh, Yeah, I think so. No more teenagers. Good. (laughs) All right. 
And yeah, with that, bye. Bye-bye.